May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I got to say, to start out, you know, every Sunday, it is a joy to be gathered with you. But right now, with what's going on in the world, it's just more particularly deep that we get to be together this morning. And I'm sure as you were all thinking and praying, should I go to church? Do I need to go to church? Should I wait till this thing passes? But what probably brought you here this morning is just that sense of duty, I'm going to go no matter what, or maybe you're seeking an encounter with Christ to meet you here as we gather on the riverbank this morning. Well, just coincidentally, we have a beautiful encounter in the gospel that Father John read for us between Jesus and this woman at the well, the Samaritan well at the the well of Jacob. And this morning, that's what I want to do, is focus on what we normally would have preached on in the lectionary anyways, but we're going to look at how an encounter then and how in a, an encounter with now, a little bit different, but with the same power behind it, is offered to us all. And I hope as I preach this that the Holy Spirit uses it to comfort you as we all pray for, the, for our world and our nation in the days ahead as we face the coronavirus. But as I say that, we look at this Samaritan woman And in this encounter with Jesus, there are three ways. We could actually, you probably noticed it was a really long gospel, right? You're probably reading is like, it feels like we're already in Holy Week with the link of the, uh, of the gospel that is read. But this is actually the longest recorded gospel between Jesus and another person in the entire New Testament. And we could do an entire semester, maybe even a year worth of material on this one very long dialogue. But this morning, I want to talk about how encounter with Christ is very personal and how it is oftentimes piercing, and then the power in our response that shows that we have transformed hearts when we come into encounter with our Christ and his Holy Spirit. So first of all, let's look at how this encounter with Jesus and this Samaritan woman is very personal. Now, if you've seen a map in your mind, I'll see if I can do it justice just by talking about it. But in the south of all of Israel, you have Judah, the tribes of Judah and Jerusalem. And about a three days hike north, you have what would become Samaria, the region of Samaria. Now, Jesus is on his way leaving and he is passing through this little town called Sakar leaving the Samaritan region on his way to Jerusalem to face his cross in the events of Holy Week. Now, he is a rabbi as well as a Jewish man. And typically, most Jews, because of the ancient history of hatred 
and how the Jews looked upon the Samaritan people as being unclean as they were after time and history, after they were destroyed from the Jewish people that were the kingdoms that would make up Samaria. They were destroyed and some of them taken captive by the Assyrians. And as that group of people in the north of what would become Samaria were in captivity, the Gentiles moved in opportunity and took over that place. But eventually all of those captives would be set free and come back home, meaning you had the Gentiles and the original Jews that were there now living together in that region in Samaria. And so they crossbred, and this is why the Jews from Jerusalem really looked down upon both ceremonially unclean and just as they weren't pure blood. And so this is where the, the, the ancient hatred and just a little nutshell of a lesson came from between the Samaritans and the Jews. And yet we have a Samaritan woman talking to Jesus. And most Jews, as Sikar, the little town where the well of, of Jacob is, it is, it is the most direct route from Samaria to Jerusalem. But a lot of Jews, because of that ancient rivalry, would go the long way, maybe at a day to their trip, just to avoid seeing and being around the Samaritan people. But yet, Jesus has an, a, a divine appointment to keep. He is going to go straight, the most direct route. And as he comes outside, the well of Jacob was outside of the town of Sychar. So he says to the disciples, hey, why don't you go get some more provisions for the rest of our day and a half journey all the way to Jerusalem where he could have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with this Samaritan woman. Jesus, that is how personal he is, and as we see, as the dialogue grows, we see how personal in encounter with Christ is. He gets there, and he's waiting, and the woman we hear, this is pretty key to the whole text, comes at noon. Now, most of the women would come with their, their collectibles for, for the well to get water and, and go about a mile back to the town. That was typically their job. And they would gather, and then they would talk about how's life. It was a social time that a lot of the women looked forward to, and they would go at 6 or 7 in the morning as the sun was just barely going up because the rest of the day, much here like in Florida, it was going to be very, very hot from noon on into the evening and yet we hear this Samaritan woman. She shows up at noon hoping she wouldn't run into anybody else. As we will hear later in the story, she is dealing with the life of isolation and a life of shame in which she has just cut herself off from either the hatred that the people show her or just from not wanting to put herself out there. She comes at noon just in her normal routine of living a life of shame. And she comes there hoping to be alone. And there's this Jesus sitting there, waiting for this encounter with her. And Jesus says, woman, may I have a drink? And right off the bat, we see the, the personal and the encounter start to happen. As she says, wait a minute, you are a Jewish man and you are also a rabbi. 
And here you are with me, a Samaritan woman. Jesus has just broken down several boundaries that he is not supposed to be doing. A, a rabbi was normally not ever caught alone with a woman, just in good practice. So there's that. And then what the Samaritan woman is bringing up, you're a Jew, and you typically don't mix with us, the Samaritans. Do you know who you're dealing with here? And Jesus begins to go very personal. And as he, he goes right for her heart, she knows what she is dealing with, the very heart of the root in her spiritual life, of the identity she has been living, a life of isolation and a life of shame. And it seems pretty, pretty kind of a rude question to some of us, but he says, well, why don't you go and get your husband? And you can only imagine her eyes shrinking and not being able to look Jesus in the eyes in this encounter as he says, or she says, sir, I have no husband. And she, and Jesus answers back, well, that's right. You have had five and the one that you are with now is not your husband. Can you see the shame. Now, we don't know why. Uh, obviously, our minds probably jump to adultery, but with this woman, it could have just been that all her husbands had died. But we know that she is isolating herself, and we know that she is in that shame. And I can only imagine in that moment that her heart sinks as Jesus says, well, you're right. You've, you've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And we can see her her comfort level begin to switch as she deflects to, an, to a, not the internal conflict that they are dealing with in the encounter, but she goes to a theological debate that naturally happens exteriorly with the Samaritans and the Jews. And we see she says, ooh, little uncomfortable with that question, but let's, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about which temple. The one in Samaria or the one in Jerusalem that we actually ought to be worshiping in. And we see Jesus tell her he, he is beginning to get, he's been personal, meeting her right where she needs to be and calling out something that she desperately needed to hear. That she needed an intervention from that identity of isolation and shame. And Jesus will go on to say, it doesn't matter. The argument of where we worship is not what I am here for in this divine appointment. What I am here for is to set you free, to let you walk in a new identity because of my love, my grace, and my mercy. So Jesus brings it back home and said the true worshipers, it's not about the exterior. They will worship in spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and in truth. And so it comes back home as, as the question begins. Jesus brings it back to the natural, the drink that he originally had asked for, but he deepens it. And he says, I have not come for physical food or the water, but I have come in response to her that you may have the living water. Not the physical water of the well, but the living water, which is relationship with him in this encounter. And we see her response. 
And as, her respo- as, as he is building on that, I have come to give you living water, this is one of the first times as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem to face his trial and his cross, he fully admits without hiding it that he is the one that was coming, the promised Messiah. And this blows the woman away. And as she responds, look at the power of the encounter with Christ, with this woman, living that life of coming to the, le- to the well by noon, that I- isolation and that identity of shame that she has been living in, and that encounter with Christ is wiped away. And we see as her eyes of shame that can't look in the eyes of Jesus, her face and her posture are lifted up in this encounter. And instead of a, you have been bad, correct your life, the finger wag from Jesus, what we see is, come to me, and I will give you living water. And in that instance, she knows that whatever is in her past, she no longer has to live in it out of that life, and that this encounter with Christ has given her a new life in a new way to walk forward in faith. And look at the response that she has. Coming from a life like that and raising her head and seeing the ultimate eyes of love of our Lord and Savior, forgiveness and redemption. She then raises her head and rushes back into the town, into Samaria, and starts telling all the people, breaking down the walls of that dividing line that they have, telling them, I have come in contact with, she starts saying, the Messiah. Now this is eye-opening. As to the Samaritans, as they would make this other temple and a whole other faith system and how they would learn, she did not have ever use or recognize that language, the Jewish language of Messiah. To those people, to the Samaritans, they were looking for Taheb, which is the restorer to come and to make all things right. And yet that she has put that behind the idea of Taheb, and she has said, I have recognized the Messiah. And as our gospel finishes off, recognized him as the promised one that would come, the Messiah that would free us all from our sins and by his life, death, and resurrection, restore us to similar lives, no longer of fear and anxiety or shame, and to walk in a new way. This is the power of her response, and that she runs into her town, and that she says, I have met the Messiah. And they, just her response to see that she is joyful and she cannot stop talking about this in her testimony, about this Messiah that she has encountered. Just from her story, the people in Samaria begin to open their hearts and say, well, maybe we need to know this Messiah. And we hear that he stays in Sakaar for two more days and that many people through encounter with Christ and through this woman's story that her testimony of the encounter would come to know him as Messiah. This morning, we gather at our well. And this morning, we are all in a similar position as the Samaritan woman. Now, man, I'm sorry I just used it in that way, not calling you women, but I think you know what I mean. We probably entered here realizing 
We are in turmoil spiritually and within. And as a country, just wondering day by day what new news of the coronavirus and all the other things that we were talking about before and debating, it seems a number of those things have gone away. And we have probably been inconvenienced or maybe a little angry that our vacation on spring break got taken away. Or spring college sports, March Madness, NBA, we got to stop. And every other way in your lives that your lives have been disrupted from this virus and all the protocols that we're having to take for it, we're not ever saying don't be smart about how we face it. But look at how we have encounter with Christ this morning. And the same for us, it can be very personal. As we gather in prayer and hear the scriptures and as we will break bread and have the sacrament together, how is Christ meeting you through his Holy Spirit personally as in his encounter with the woman at the well? Do you find it to be as piercing to, to where up front it feels like a finger wag, but it is met with those ultimate eyes of love? I know that has been the truth for me this week, day by day, praying about what decisions and how to lead and how to preach through these times that we are faced and ultimately getting to a point in journaling and praying saying, God, what is going on in this world? And yet that voice of comfort coming right after my initial emotions, do not fear. It will be okay. I walk with you through this. As piercing as that moment was, met by the ultimate comfort in response. As you gather at our well this morning, as we pray and have scripture and sermon, and then as we experience the sacrament together, may Christ intimately know you, comfort you, and let you know how much you are loved. And may that transformation that continues day by day in your life, as you go and share that with others, just as the woman did, may Christ spread like wildfire. And I say it often, in that broken world, people need to hear this story so much. But even the more true right now, as for as much fear, and as much anxiety that is out there, may we have that encounter this morning with his Holy Spirit through the word and through the sacrament. And may our response of what God is doing inside of us just flow out of us. And we, may we take him to those that need it the most, as many people have many questions of the days and weeks ahead. We continue to pray, but this morning, we give thanks for his gospel and the transformation that comes in us and then flows through us as the world continues to see his love, his mercy, and his grace in action. All praise and be to our Lord and Savior for meeting us here and that we have the opportunity to be encountered.